If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to talk to you about a, a passage of Scripture today you've probably heard since a child. Uh, probably heard this preached in several different ways and maybe even heard the way I'm going to preach it this morning. Uh, but the Lord has showed me some things about this and, and uh, I would like to just share them with you that just really spoke to my heart and as we sang last night some of the songs they sang it just reiterated to me what the lord had for us and this is is how that he he lifted us up and picked us up and and i, I want to encourage you with it this morning but i want to talk to you about why jesus came to me or why jesus came to us i mean here it is at easter and uh we celebrate the the lord's uh resurrection he was crucified for our sins and it rose again and we celebrate that every Easter and and uh but I wonder have you ever just thought why did it have to be that way why did it have to be that way so I want to use this passage of scripture to sort of show you that and you might be scratching your head right now if you're familiar with this but uh let's just uh, see what the Lord has for us Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 uh, I'll begin reading it says, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a, a ship and to go before him unto the other side, Why he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be... Thou bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth, thou art the Son of God. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, take me out of the scene, Lord. Take me out of the picture, but use your words to speak through me. Lord, that you would just cause us to hear the the, your word this morning, to hear the truths of your word, Lord, to just uh, to enlighten us that our lives would be changed, that, that souls would be saved. Lord, just help us as we study this word this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit be free to move and to speak and to convict and to reveal the, the truths of your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we'll back up just a little bit. The verses before on chapter 14 uh, if you'll notice that Jesus had, this is a familiar story where he fed the 5,000, remember, with the, 
the, the fish and the loaves of bread and, and uh, they were out in the desert and all the rest and, and Jesus, uh, they were saying they're hungry. The disciples said, hey, Lord, send them away. They're hungry. They got to go into town and get a McDonald's. There's no McDonald's out here. We need to feed these people. And Jesus said, oh, we'll feed them here. Oh, we don't have, we can't do that. Remember Philip says, oh, we can't, we don't have but just these little five fishes, a few fishes and some loaves of bread. How are we going to do that? And then Jesus performs a miraculous miracle and filled, feeds the 5,000 men. That doesn't count women and children. But he feeds them all, and not only does he feed them all till they are full like a Sunday afternoon dinner. I mean, where you can't hardly breathe anymore, you've eaten so much, is what it says. There were basketfuls left. And the disciples just thought, hmm, that's pretty good. I'd like to try that someday. But you notice, I want you to pay attention to that. After that, they just were amazed at what he did. But they didn't worship him. At the end of this, you see that they finally got it and they worshiped him. So after the the miracle of the bread, I believe Jesus put them to the test. Do you understand what you just saw? Do you understand why I did that? That I am the son of God. That I have all all power and all authority. A poverty. I tried to put two words together, didn't I? <laughs> I'm excited. Still excited from last night. Um, but they, he says, I have all power and all authority over all things. And so I want you to notice, first of all, in verse 14, as, as he's sending the multitudes away and, and they want to make him a king and they want to make, set up the kingdom. And, oh, Jesus, no, no, no. We're going to send you away. That's not what this is all about. So he sends the the disciples, he says, uh, go and get into the ship. He constrained his disciples to get into the ship. That's important. That's one of the important points I want you to understand this morning. Uh, Do you not think that Jesus knew when he said, hey, guys, go get in that boat over there. And I want you to go out into the sea and go over to the other side to Capernaum. Do you think that Jesus knew that there was a storm coming? He knew very well a storm was coming. He created the storm, right? But yet he put them in the boat knowing a storm is coming. Let me tell you something today. Some of your storms that you're in, Jesus may have put you in them. He's trying to show you something. He's trying to teach you something. I believe this was another lesson. They didn't get it with the miracle of the fish and the bread. And so Jesus said, I'm going to show you some more, guys. Go get in the boat. Knowing the storm is coming. Uh, this is the second time that I, well, there's several times, but there's another time where he told him to get in the boat. Knowing the storm is coming. Sometimes God puts you in the place you're in to test your faith, to test, it, not really the, to find out where you're at, but to find out, you find out where you're at. God knows where you are. He knows what you're capable of. He needs you to understand where you are. So he put the disciples in the boat, said, go to the other side. He sends the multitude away. This is all very intentional, well planned out by God. It very on purpose to teach his disciples. And so they get into the boat and he said, he sent the multitude away. Then what he do? He went up into the mountains to pray. Now he went up. Uh, he sent the disciples into the boat, knowing a storm's coming, 
Multitude's gone, and Jesus goes up all alone just to be alone. I'm glad to get, get a break from all these people. No, that's not what Jesus is doing. What was he doing up there? Praying for the disciples. Praying for a, wow. I could go into a message just on that in John chapter 17 where Jesus prayed for us. That, uh, you talk about a priestly prayer where he prays and makes intercession to God on my behalf. He is praying for me. Father, I put them into a storm. I pray that you would keep them, that you would give them the faith, that you would give them the peace that passes all understanding, that they may know that I am your son and that I am in control of all things. Could you imagine what he was praying in the mountain as he knew his disciples were in the evening going out into a storm? Now, it's interesting to me that uh, we, we see in some of the next verses here, uh, Jesus was praying for them. Uh, and the ship was now in the midst of the sea, uh, and, and it tossed with the waves. Now, we read the next verse, and it says about the fourth hour, or the fourth watch, excuse me. That was between 3 and 6 o'clock. I thought it was pretty interesting this morning as I just sat out here and looked at the beautiful trees and heard the, heard the birds singing and thought, wow, there was a storm here last night. And I really didn't even know what time. And I asked David, uh, Brother David McKinney, I said, what time that storm come through? And he said, oh, about 3 o'clock or so. Huh. You know when that was? That was during the fourth watch. That was between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. In the fourth watch, the storm came. Now, how many of you woke up with that storm last night? How many of you, be honest now, you're in church. How many of you got a little scared? All right. Rest of you are lying. <laughs> when lightning is popping and your house is shaking, you can't tell me you're not... Ooh, I hope it don't hit my house and burn the house down. I, you know, and I, I, where's my clothes? I'm laying here in my underwear, and I got to get dressed with the house catches on fire. You got a thousand things going through your mind. And there's a certain amount of fear. Uh, it, I don't know why it always seems like, especially here in Georgia, storms always have to come in the middle of the night. Why they, can't they come in a day where I can see them coming? So there's a certain amount of fear just at a storm. I'm laying in my bed comfortable, and I'm laying there wide awake. And I'm seeing the lights flashing like strobe lights through my windows and boom, and the house shakes. I think, wow, that'd be awful. Now take yourself and put yourself in a little boat in the middle of, the, in the middle of a pond and that storm's here. Anybody ever been in a boat when the storm's coming? That's no fun either. I've done that before. You talking about hurt, and you going bro, trying to get out of that at 45 miles an hour across the lake, and rain is hitting you. It feels like wasp are stinging you as you're going down the, the the lake. It's a terrible time. The wind started blowing in the, the, the between three and six o'clock in the morning. They have been out there for eight or nine hours. That they have gone. Now, how do we know that? Uh, we read in the other gospels in Mark chapter, um, well, Mark. Mark chapter 6 and John chapter 6, they both record this. 
uh, not on the same, they don't record the same things as Matthew, but it's the same story. And we read from them that how far, the, how far they were out. They were three or four miles out. Uh, and they do the calculation. They're saying they're out there about six to nine or eight to nine hours. They have been out there rowing and fighting this storm. The waves are crashing in. The lightning is popping. The thunder is booming. It's raining cats and dogs, as they say. And here they are trying for all their might to get out of this storm. Why did Jesus put me in this storm? God, why have you put me here? Hello? He put you there for a reason. He put you there for a purpose. What is the purpose? What is it to, that he's trying to show you? What is it trying to teach you? And I, they're obviously f uh, afraid. Uh, they're obviously bewildered at the, at the rowing for so many hours. And I believe they're probably lost. I mean, there's no stars to go by. They couldn't pull out their little iPhone and hook it up on TomTom Tom or whatever and the GPS and say, hell yeah, here we are. I believe they were probably not only tired, they were afraid, but they were lost. They didn't really know where they were. They were just trying to survive the storm. I'm getting to my point. So the fourth watch, between 3 and 6 o'clock, they're, they're out about 3 or 4 miles, been rowing for about 9 hours. They're tired, bewildered. And all of a sudden, they see something. What do they see? I said when he sent, a, let's see, where am I? He's in the, uh, the fourth watch. All of a sudden, they see something on the water. Now, get in your mind how they must feel. They're already afraid of the storm. They've heard these stories about different things and superstitions. They've watched Jesus cast out demons. And here they are in this boat, and, and all of a sudden there's this image out here. Now, what are you thinking? Now, you know the story, so I know what you're thinking. But say you're out there in the middle of the night, pitch black, storm raging, and the lightning pops, and there's this image standing in the water. I got cold chills up down my spine right now. It's a ghost! What in the world? I mean, if it wasn't for the storm, we're lost, we're tired, we don't know where we're at. Now here comes this ghost. I mean, one of the scriptures says that these were grown men in just sheer panic, screaming. Oh. That was funny, y'all. I'm not going to do it again. You're welcome. But here they are. And here's this image walking on the water. Now they're even more terrified. They don't know what to think. And they were troubled, it says, and uh, saying it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Have you ever been in a storm, and you just don't know which way's up, and it just seems like one thing after another is just coming against you, and you just don't know 
you know, I, I've been in a storm before, and I said, oh, brother, don't worry about it. You'll see light at the end of the tunnel. I said, yeah, I saw it. It was a train coming. You ever been there? I believe this is where these disciples were. And Jesus just softly speaks, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's me. I'm with you in this storm. What's your response? Does that comfort you? Should. But sometimes that's just not enough for us, is it? Sometimes we just, and I'm being honest with you. I think anybody would be honest. You've been in a dark place. God just trying his best to speak to you. Say, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm right here in the midst of it with you. Trust me. And you're just frantically, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Peter, get up an oar and row some more. John, bail some water. We got this. We can figure this out. Jesus said, hey, guys, I'm over here. We've been there, too. He says, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it, if it be thou bid me come unto thee, Come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter uh, came down out of the ship and walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, this is interesting to me. I, I told you the, the title of my message is, Why Did Jesus Come? Now, I've told you the story of Jesus walking, or Jesus walking on the water, and he calls Peter, and you've all heard that. Peter gets out of the boat and begins to, to walk and he sees the waves and takes his eyes off Jesus and then he begins to sink, right? We focused on Peter and what he did wrong. Let's focus on what Jesus did. You go back. Jesus is, first of all, he's praying for them. He's praying for them. Could you imagine in times past that Jesus would pray to the Father? for the world, for the salvation of the world. You ever thought about that? As I looked at this and read this, and, and, and uh, you know, Dr. Wayne back here may correct me, but I just saw something so different this time as I read this story. And as God revealed some things to me, Jesus is praying for me. He's the only way of salvation. And... Uh, and, and I, I look back, and I, this thing with Peter, he says, he, he saw Jesus. He said, if it's you, let me come. I can do this. i seen you do it. I can do it. You know what I thought about with that? Go all the way back to Moses and the law. And here's Moses on, the, on Mount Sinai, and he comes down with the Ten Commandments, God's law, and says, this is me. I am holy. You must do this to be like me. And the people said, all that the Lord has said, we will do. Y'all remember that? What did Moses do? No, you won't. Moses made a sacrifice, and blood was shed. Atonement for sin. Moses knew, God knew, that you could never keep his law. Jesus said, oh yeah, Peter, you think you can do this? Come on. 
I believe there was another lesson. And all from, from, let me back up, go back from Moses and the law. You see all that they did and God said, this is how you worship me. I am holy. He who comes to me must come to me in spirit and truth. Uh, you must be holy as I am holy. And he gives them all the law. And, and over the time, all the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes just twist it all up and mess up God's whole plan of worship. And us coming to him. We messed it up. They messed it up. See a lot of times we say. Oh we've been through that brother. Uh, God took me through that a few years ago. I saw how he did it. I got this one. Let me come to you Jesus. Isn't that how we act? Are you getting what I'm saying here? See we think once we've been through it. Or once we see God do it. We know all about it. And we can take it from here Lord. You know what, Peter? That's what I saw with Peter. Hey, if you can walk on water, I, I know you can do all things. Let me come to you. I'll walk on the water too. Okay, Peter. Come on if you must. But I'm fixing to show you something else. You can't do it. You can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. See, people search all their life for, for, to try to get to God. Uh, they, they use different religions to try to gain access to God. And you know what it ends up in? A mess. It ends up in us sinking deeper and deeper in our sin. That's what you saw from the law. That's what the Pharisees did for it. And here comes Jesus on the water. And Peter is trying with all his might to mimic and to do just like Jesus. After all, that's what you come to church for. So the preacher can tell you how you're supposed to be Christ-like. Uh, WWJD, right? Do what Jesus would do. Let me tell you today, you can't do what Jesus can do. Huh? What about the verse, I can do all things through Christ? Exactly. Quote it again. I do it through Christ. What I do is that Christ that lives in me, I can do it. But I'll never do it in myself. I'll never be able to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish in and of myself. I must depend on him solely. I must trust him with it because you know what? I'm going to get out there and I'm going to begin to preach and, and I'm going to be able to share the gospel and, and God's called me to be a pastor of the church and whew, there's going to be some winds blowing me and I'm going to get knocked around and there's going to be people who don't like me and some people don't think I preach like I should and I'm going to get down and out. But you know what keeps me going? Christ in me. This fire that he gives in my bones that says preach my word. Teach my people. Now I'm not just going to, you can put yourself in those shoes. God may be calling you to do something. Oh, I got this. I mean, I've been to seminary. I'll figure this out. I promise you there's some things in church that seminary will never teach you. Only by the power of, of God that he puts you in a boat and puts you in the middle of the storm do you learn those lessons. And to try to mimic what God's doing, I, you know, I, I, 
I'm not put saying did, trying to down Peter at all. I mean, Mal, I don't know that I'd have done that. But this is just what I saw in it. How we just oftentimes, we see Jesus doing something and we just try to copy it. And it's not real. We forget that we're feeble and, and that we're weak without him. And that we'll never be able to do it without him. And so what do we do? We try to, our best, uh, there's all different religions out there trying to work their way to God. Oh yeah, I know, I got it God, I'll be right, I'll be, I'll love my neighbor as myself. I'll do, I'll go to Sunday school, I'll, I'll tell others about you, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll get to you, I, I'll please you with this. And one day we stand before him and he says, depart from me you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. We cannot do it without him. We cannot do it without him. And Peter understood this as he began to sink deeper and deeper into the water. We begin to sink deeper and deeper in our sin. What must we do? Jesus, Son of God, save me, is what he cried out. Save me. Help me. And what did Jesus do? He said immediately he stretched forth his hand and he, he picked Peter up. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. You know what I saw there? I mean, yeah, he, Peter saved me. He said, Brother Kenny, yeah, God's asked me to do this and I've blown it big time. I've messed it up. He put me under the microscope. He put me to the test, and I failed the test miserably. There's no way God could ever use me again. There's no way God could use me. I am so weak, and I am so frail, and I just can't do this thing. You're getting there. That's your first step to recovery, I'm going to tell you today. Why you're sinking deeper and deeper, say, Jesus... Help me. Jesus, help me. And you know what he'll do? In your sin, in your messed up, mixed up ideas about how to be, he reaches down and picks you up. That's what David talks about. He put me, he, he put, he lifted me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock. He established my ways. He established my going. That's what David is talking about. Uh, Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. You know, a lot of times we're just fighting and struggling and rowing and doing all the best we can. And we finally see a little glimpse of how we think the Christian life ought to be run and how Jesus, this is what Jesus wants me to do. I'll do this. And we just get in a bigger mess. Anybody ever been there but me? When Jesus is just saying, hey, if you'll just call upon me. 
If you'll just call on me, I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which I'll know us not. That's what he told Jeremiah. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Stop trying to fight to, to gain favor with God. Your favor with God is trusting in his son as your personal savior. That's the only thing I believe you'll ever do to please God is trust his son as your personal. That's why God had to come. Uh, that, that's why he was the only way. These men knew how to navigate a boat through these seas. They've done it before. They saw Jesus do certain things and they thought they could mimic it and do it just like he did and got in a bigger mess. When all along Jesus is just saying, trust me. Come to me, all you labor and heavy labor, and I will give you rest. See, all of creation, all of man for thousands of years have tried their best to get to God. They've tried different ways and of, of uh, doing good and doing things that they thought God was, would be pleased with. This just come to me here. I just feel like I have to share it. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's only one way out of your troubles and out of your storm, and that's calling on the name of Jesus. He will help. He'll reach down and pick you up. You say, well, Brother Kenny, how do you know that? Revelation chapter 5. This is just a beautiful passage of Scripture. We're going to be there during this time, I believe. And we're all going to be standing around the throne. And as, as John explains it, he says, uh, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose the seal, loose its seals? And listen to the next verse of chapter 5 of Revelation. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scrolls and to look at it. You know what this was? I call it the title deed to man's souls. And God is sitting on the throne and saying, who is worthy to take this title to all the souls of mankind and to open this seal, to break the seals thereof? And say that I have paid the price. I have paid the price. The deed should be mine. Who is worthy? And David or John says, there was no man in heaven or earth or under there. There was no one found worthy to open this deed, to open this scroll. And he says, so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll and to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, ooh, listen to this. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose the seals, seven seals. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. <laughs> stood a lamb. 
as if it had been slain. <sighs> Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him, God, who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having harps and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And shall reign on us. You are worthy. Could you imagine that? We're going to be there. And when God says who is worthy. Who paid the price. To redeem the souls of mankind. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. We'll be able to stand in Father and say, Father, I paid your price. I died for them. I shed my blood for them on the cross. And all that cried out to me and confessed me before you, I confess before you. Isn't that exciting? What storm are you in? What trouble are you in that's too big for God? What, what, what are you going through right now? And it's, it's trying to be an encouraging message to you is what I want it to be. But you're not ever going to do it on your own. Only Jesus can do it. And if you cry out to whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. God's son was sent. On our behalf. And he's just waiting for us to cry out. Lord save me. And if you've accepted him. As your personal savior. He has saved you. But you know what it don't end there. I believe it goes on into your Christian life. Lord I'm in a mess. I've made a huge mess of this. I've failed the test that you've put me through miserably. I am such in miserable condition. I don't know which way's up. I don't know which way to go. Lord, will you help me? And I believe he'll reach down and pick you up. Carry you if you need be or set your feet on the rock. And say, now follow me. Now trust me. Let me show you some things that you never knew. That's the God I serve. When I couldn't come to him, he came to me. And I I about forgot that. There's a song, one of my favorite songs. And I'm not going to sing it again, but I want you to read the words to you. He said, the gulf, the gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord, it was so vast the crossing I could never ford. For where I was to his domain, it seemed so far. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. He came to me when I was bound in chains of sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within. He picked me up and drew me gently by his side. 
where today in his sweet love I now abide. He came to me, oh, he came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. That's why he died on Calvary. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. God knows exactly where you are. There's another passage there that reads that Jesus looked out as he was praying and he saw him on the water. They're three or four miles out at three to six o'clock in the morning, pitch black. But Jesus knew exactly where they were. And he went to them and rescued them. He's waiting to rescue you. He knows exactly, no matter how big your storm may seem, he knows exactly where you are. And he's just waiting for you to cry out to him, Lord, save me. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as uh, as the word is spoken, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would take it and use it in whatever way you see fit, Lord, to, to bring glory and honor to your name. We thank you for, for Jesus. We thank you that we can just cry out, Abba, Father, in our time of trouble. We just thank you and praise you for that this morning. Lord, I pray for each and every person here today. I don't know why you gave me this message of some that need salvation or some that just need hope and that need to have assurance that during their storm that you're there and you're waiting to just reach down and pick them up if they'll just call out your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Page 180.